This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. The Swiss city of Zurich is a global banking capital and a pretty understated place. Zurich, it's built on wealth. It's a very conservative place, but it's not showy. It's not flashy. It's discreet. But for such a discreet place, something very unusual unfolded on the street one day in September. It involved a top Swiss banker named Iqbal Khan. Iqbal Khan is driving with his wife. He's heading into central Zurich to go out for lunch when he sees the car is following them. Margot Patrick covers European finance. So he's watching this car. He's taking a few turns, seeing that the car's following him, and he's getting concerned. So after he parks, he sees the driver of the car has also parked. So Iqbal Khan starts walking toward the car. He takes a photo of the license plate. He confronts the man who's gotten out of the car and tries to take a photo of him as well. The man runs off. But Iqbal is shaken. He's concerned. Khan is concerned, but he thinks he might know why someone would be following him. So he calls his employer, Credit Suisse. He calls Credit Suisse's security chief. He asks him if there's something he should know. The security chief says, no, I don't know anything about it. And I'm going to send security staff to your house to make sure it's safe. But the company did know something about it. And that incident on the street in Zurich would mark the beginning of a scandal that would engulf Credit Suisse for months to come. Today on the show, the surveillance scandal at Credit Suisse and how it brought down the bank's CEO. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. And I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Wednesday, February 12th. Iqbal Khan had been at Credit Suisse since 2013, but had been living in Switzerland for decades before that. He was born in Pakistan. He grew up in Karachi. His father was Pakistani and his mother was Swiss. So he moved to Switzerland when he was 12, and he started on an academic path that took him into accounting. And that's what took him to Ernst & Young, and that's what eventually took him to Credit Suisse. Khan was the chief financial officer of the wealth management division at Credit Suisse, one of the most important departments for any Swiss bank. This is banking for the world's billionaires. This is banking for entrepreneurs, for wealthy families, for anyone who has, you know, a spare five or 10 million to place with a bank or more, sometimes much more. And it's helping them manage their wealth for the future and for their future generations. At this point, Khan was still in his 30s and kind of a rising star at the bank. But while Khan seemed to be on his way up, Credit Suisse wasn't in such great shape. It had come through the crisis, sort of limped through the financial crisis and, you know, being hit by an onslaught of new regulation. It was facing lots of financial penalties. It paid a massive fine to the U.S. authorities over aiding its U.S. customers in tax evasion. So the bank really needed a turnaround. 
And in 2015, Credit Suisse brought in a new CEO. His name was Tijan Tiam. And there was a lot of expectation and hope that Tijan Tiam was going to turn this bank around. On the day they announced that he was going to join as CEO, the share price of Credit Suisse went up 7.5%. So that was like a real endorsement of Tijan Tiam. Investors were excited about Tiam because he came with a powerful resume. He was born on Ivory Coast uh, to a prominent, politically connected family. He was educated in France. He went to college at the Polytechnique, which is famous as a breeding ground for French bankers, CEOs, politicians. So he started life in very well-connected circles. From there, Tiam had launched into a high-powered career. He had a stint at the management consulting firm McKinsey and later was a cabinet minister in Ivory Coast. And most notably, he'd had a very successful run as CEO of the big British insurance company Prudential. The share price uh, tripled in his time at Prudential. And the market was really hoping that he could bring that same sort of magic touch to Credit Suisse. Tiam's magic touch involved bringing some of his closest deputies with him and overseeing a shift away from investment banking, which had been a major part of the business. He sets about a very sweeping restructuring of the bank. And the big change at that point was he put forward the message that Credit Suisse was going to focus on wealth management. So that was a shift in strategy for Credit Suisse. It was putting out its sign that it wanted to be a wealth manager. That was its primary purpose. And everything else it did was going to revolve around that. This was welcome news for Iqbal Khan, who, remember, was already working in wealth management at the time. And Tiam had big plans for Khan to help him turn the bank around. Tijan Tiam saw in Iqbal Khan, a very talented person, a very hardworking person who was already cutting costs and really turning around the division he was working in at the time. And he elevated him to CEO of International Wealth Management. This was a big promotion for Khan, and in that job, he oversaw a period of growth. There was money coming in from wealthy clients. Revenue was going up. It was all supporting Tijan's strategy. Tijan Tiam would frequently praise Iqbal Khan for the work he was doing. So for at least a year or two after the promotion in 2015 of Iqbal Khan, the two men are getting on very well. And it was seen as, you know, they were mutually supportive of each other, and the bank was on its way to a turnaround. Tiam was even going out publicly and talking about how his restructuring plan was working. So, look, one one can never, should never be too happy. But uh, as far as we're concerned, we think we, we, for a year and a half of of work, we've had good, good progress. What is the effect this is having on their respective careers? Investors and analysts were happy with what Tijan Tian was doing at the bank, but the share price was not responding. And there was a lot of pressure on Tijan to to change that, to somehow pull this bank up and get it to really, to really say, right, this bank has turned itself around. So I think by 2017, 2018, there's frustration for Tijan Tiam that his restructuring isn't coming through in the share price and he still can't say, job done. And at the same time, Iqbal Khan was seen as a rising star within the bank. Because his division was doing so well, there was a lot of talk about what he would do next. Even though he was still young, had only recently been promoted, people were already starting to talk about him as potentially the next CEO of Credit Suisse. Some people say that Tijan was concerned that Iqbal Khan was getting too much credit for the restructuring that Tijan was in charge of. While this rivalry at work was building, 
there was a different tension between the two men away from the office. Soon after getting his big promotion, Khan had gone out and bought a house in one of Zurich's most exclusive neighborhoods, an area called Hurleyburg. It overlooks Lake Zurich, so it's it's very desirable for the lake views. It's an area where there are other CEOs and politicians, and really the creme de la creme of Zurich lives in this area. So it was a very desirable place to live. Yeah, I'm just like uh, pulling up some uh, photographs here of Hurleyburg, and it's like up a slope really on the banks of the lake. That's right, yeah. So the lake is in the distance. These are like big houses that are built fairly close next to each other. In the European style, these are big houses, but they're on very small plots. So it's not like there's acres of land separating you. It's a pretty concentrated area for housing. You really are living right next door to someone. And in Khan's case, the person he was living right next door to was his boss. It's a little unusual. Iqbal Khan is an up-and-coming executive at Credit Suisse, and he buys the house next door to his CEO. Some people would say he's broken a cardinal rule of business to not get too close to the boss, and he's literally moved in next door to the boss. This neighborly relationship, it complicated things between the two men. After buying the house, Khan had gotten started on a long and noisy renovation of the property. Sources told Margot that on top of Tiam's frustrations with Khan getting too much of the limelight, Tiam was also irritated by the dust and noise of Khan's construction project next door. And it was this renovation work that would tip their relationship into a crisis. It started with a simple act of landscaping when the Khan family cleared some trees on their property. Next door, the Tiams didn't like that because they lost the privacy the trees gave them. The Tiam house is now being overlooked by Iqbal Khan's house. And so the Tiams have some trees put in to get some more privacy. And the Khans are concerned that these trees are going to grow and eventually interfere with their view. These trees created more tension. The Khans didn't want the trees obscuring their lake view, but the Tiams wanted the trees to give them some privacy. The tension was simmering away, and then it came to a head at a party at the Tiam family home in early 2019. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by C3 AI. C3 Generative AI enables rapid access to secure, traceable, hallucination-free insights from enterprise systems, all while using any LLM, helping enterprises turn the invisible into the obvious. Learn more at c3.ai. Welcome back. In 2019, Tiam held a party at his house in Hurleyburg. He invited the Khans, and it was at this party that sources told Margot things got heated. So there are different tellings of the story. At some point in the evening, Tijan sees his partner and Khan having a discussion about these trees on the Tiam property. Tiam comes over. And she tells Tijan that Iqbal has been very rude to her. And that's where things get messy. Tiam and Khan had some kind of verbal confrontation where sources say Tiam scolded Khan for being rude. Iqbal Khan later tells people that he felt physically threatened and intimidated by his boss. 
who just by his size towers over him and is bigger than him. Iqbal Khan is a fairly short, slim-built guy. Tijan Tiam, he's tall. He's about six foot four. He's well-built. After the party, strains between Tiam and Khan got worse. Khan reported the confrontation to the chairman of Credit Suisse. I think it's difficult. If you have an argument with your CEO, I think it can be difficult to come back from that. I think it really affected their relationship and made it difficult for them to work together because the trust was lost. Iqbal Khan is complaining to the chairman that the CEO is making him uncomfortable. The two men are living next door to each other. It's just starting to feel really uncomfortable for everyone. And I think this is when Iqbal Khan is looking at his future and thinking, is this the place for me? Am I ever going to be the CEO here? How long is it going to take? Or am I going to be on the wrong side of the CEO now? And he starts thinking about going to work for someone else. So there had been rumors for several months that Iqbal Khan was looking for a new job. There had been reports that he was interviewing to be the CEO of Julius Bayer. That's a Swiss private bank. And that he was talking to some other employers about potentially leaving Credit Suisse to go work for them. Then, on July 1st, it became official. Khan quit. And a few weeks later, it was announced he would soon be working for a competitor. By the end of August, UBS puts out an announcement and says, Iqbal Khan is joining us as our co-head of wealth management. And UBS is Credit Suisse's biggest domestic rival. That's right. So in Switzerland, UBS is the largest bank. It's the rival to Credit Suisse. And also globally, it's a rival, too, because UBS is the world's largest wealth manager. So they like to say that they bank half the world's billionaires. Those are exactly the people that Credit Suisse wants to win as clients. So Credit Suisse has just lost one of its most promising executives to its biggest rival. And the immediate concern for some people, at least within the bank, is are we going to lose staff? Are we going to lose clients? Are they going to follow Iqbal? What is this going to mean for Credit Suisse? Because he could be taking valuable information about the clients that Credit Suisse works with and helping UBS poach them. That's right. And it's a couple of weeks after this that Khan confronts that man who had been following him on the streets of Zurich. Right after that incident, Khan had gone to the police and filed a criminal complaint. Khan had turned over the photos he'd taken of the man's face and the license plate of the car. Police tracked down the man and figured out what he was doing on the street that day. They discovered he was a private investigator. The next day at dawn, the owners of the detective agency and the investigator are arrested at their houses, pulled out of bed by the police and, and brought to the station for questioning. The investigators themselves haven't told the police who their client is because they're sworn, you know, by confidentiality agreements. But the investigator's client was watching and realized it couldn't keep his identity secret any longer. It was Credit Suisse. The bank came forward and took responsibility for the surveillance of Iqbal Khan, who, at the time, was still technically a bank employee. How does that go down? I mean, basically, it all blows up for Credit Suisse. It's making international headlines that it spied on an employee. The bank spends a weekend trying to figure out what to do. Because on the one hand, it's not illegal in Switzerland to follow someone around and take photos. And it's also not illegal for a bank to want to protect its assets. But I think it's so unexpected that you would have a physical surveillance of an employee to make sure that they're not poaching staff. That's the unexpected part. Because... 
everyone who leaves the bank or even a company will have an agreement that says they can't recruit staff or they can't say negative things about the company and so forth. So that's all completely normal. It's not usually enforced by following people around. (laughs) Right. Credit Suisse hired an outside law firm to investigate what happened. And it found out who was responsible. One of TM's top executives, the bank's chief operating officer. The person who ordered the surveillance was an executive who was very close to Tijan Tiam, not just at Credit Suisse, but at three other companies. He had worked with Tijan Tiam at McKinsey. He had worked with Tijan Tiam at Aviva, at Prudential, and again at Credit Suisse. Despite his close relationship with the COO, Tiam said he hadn't known anything about the surveillance. And Credit Suisse stood strongly behind him. The bank emphasized that Tiam wasn't involved at all with the surveillance, that Tiam hadn't even known it was happening. The COO resigned. He hasn't commented on the scandal since. Meanwhile, the company also stressed this was a one-off situation, not something it does on a regular basis. And after a few weeks, it seemed as if the scandal might blow over. But then more allegations came out. In December, a Swiss newspaper publishes an explosive story alleging more surveillance of another executive at the bank. So the Swiss newspaper publishes this three-part series on surveillance and starting with the news that another member of the executive team had been followed in February of 2019. Predating the Iqbal Khan incident. Yes, that's right. So so even before Iqbal Khan is followed, there's now evidence that another executive had been followed earlier that year. Again, the COO was found to have been involved. But this time, it was much more damaging for Tiam. So this is where it really starts falling apart for Tijan, because now it's not looking like an isolated incident, which is what the bank had said it was. Now it's starting to look like a pattern. And people are wondering, well, if there's two, maybe there's three, and maybe there's more. It's not a one-off. It starts looking like a pattern of behavior in the bank, and it speaks really to the culture at the bank and to the people around Tijan Tiam. Tiam once again said he knew nothing about the surveillance, but it raised the question of how it was possible that Tiam didn't know. A lot of people, both inside the bank and outside the bank, believe that Tijan Tiam must have known about the surveillance. The sort of natural next question for people was, well, if this is going on and he doesn't know about it, what else is going on at the bank that he doesn't know about? And is there a problem with the culture of the bank? So people are wondering, if Tijan doesn't know what his lieutenant is doing, does it mean that the person's acting in what they think is the CEO's best interest, what the CEO really wants? If Tijan didn't know, why didn't he know? All of the fallout from the spying scandal was taking a toll on the bank's reputation. By January, the board felt it needed to do something. And after a meeting with the board last week, Tiam announced he was stepping down. Tiam released a statement afterwards, repeating that he didn't know about the surveillance of the two executives and saying it should never have taken place. And the bank's chairman said Tiam had done a good job as CEO, And the issue was the fallout of the scandal. And all of this, this man's career, his tenure at Credit Suisse as CEO, has ended all because of a neighborly dispute over trees. So there was definitely a chain of events that was set off by the argument over the trees. 
It wasn't about what he was doing for the business. For the most part, people were very happy with Tijan Champ's performance as a CEO and what he was doing. So it had really come down to how he was managing the spying scandal and whether he would be the person who would be able to lead the bank out of it, to make the headlines go away, to just put the story to rest and to move on and to, to heal from the whole incident. There was a realization that maybe he couldn't be the person to do that. That's all for today, Wednesday, February 12th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We come out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.